Good morning. It's so good to be with you this morning. I'm so grateful that you've arranged your life to be here. Have you noticed all of the young staff that Orchard has been hiring recently? And I just want to say, um, Orchard is hiring a great group of young staff. I've known Kristen in ministry for a long time. In fact, she's going to teach in the next series. Uh, she's been in ministry as young as she is for a long time, and we were able to hire her, and uh, is, she's just doing great. And then middle-aged guys like Tim, you know, uh, it's just good. So my wife and I were uh, on vacation too, Tim, and we were up in the upper peninsula of Michigan, and we hit it just at the peak time when the leaves were just brilliant, brilliant. And I felt like every day we got up and I would go for a drive and the leaves, the foliage were just screaming at me like, God is so good. God is so good. God is so creative. God is so beautiful. God is so amazing. I just felt like that's what the trees were saying, the leaves. The colorful. I think I've passed that on to my children, uh, my wife and I have. So my daughter was saying to me, her neighborhood was beautiful, and every time she got in her car, she would like back out of the driveway and need to tell her kids, this neighborhood is incredibly beautiful. Finally, like, enough, mom. <laughs> Leaves die every fall. Enough. You know, so I don't know where you are, whether it's screaming or you're saying enough of this talk, uh, but uh, uh, it, 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 is, it has been a beautiful, beautiful fall. And God is, in some ways, getting glory from the beauty. Now, John chapter 4 today is what we're covering. We've done uh, John 1, 2, and 3, and 4, and now we're going to come back to the Gospel of John during Lent. And we're going to pick up five, six, seven, eight, and a ways farther. So, um, but John chapter four uh, is an interesting uh, uh, chapter because uh, one of the final teachings in this room was John chapter four during the summer. Steph Roller came and she was in the series of questions Jesus asked, and she taught the first 42 verses of John chapter four completely. Like, and she did a fantastic job. And it's the woman at the well. Remember that? So then I was assigned John chapter 4, and I thought, well, we just taught that. So I looked at what's in the final few verses. And it's uh, healing we're going to take a look at. And then I stepped back farther from John chapter 4, and I thought, wait, it's about two healings. John chapter 4 is actually two healings. A mental health, spiritual healing of the woman at the well, and a physical healing of disease later in the chapter. So then I thought, well, let's talk about healing. Because in this day and age, that's an important topic. Mental health struggles in our culture are huge. Uh, uh, teenagers are having more mental health struggles than ever. And uh, life expectancy in the U.S. Uh, among adults is on decline. And cancer striking people younger and younger. And uh, people who need physical healing who walk into this room. I, I try to keep my eye on what God is doing. This morning I walked in at the far door and I was walking down the hall. And the first member, who I, the first person in the building that I talked to this morning was Mark who just buried his wife, Amy, a few weeks ago. I hadn't seen Mark, 
And so I said, Mark, you know, how you doing? Let's talk. And so we talked for five minutes. Now, as a church, we prayed that God would heal Amy. But he didn't. And so what is this about healing? What, what, what can we learn about healing from uh, John chapter 4 and the rest of the scriptures? Uh, let me say a few words in summary about the woman at the well. You know, most of you know the story. Jesus is cutting through Samaria, and he meets the Samaritan woman at the well. And um, a couple things about healing that come up with her spiritual healing. First of all, the woman didn't come to the well for healing. She came for water. She carried a couple jugs full of water. She didn't come for healing. So she was surprised really that she needed healing and that Jesus would heal her spiritually and mental health-wise. She did come to the well, though, feeling unloved, unknown, alone, defensive, and broken. That's how she felt coming to the well. Now, something about Jesus changed her. We know that because of how she behaved afterwards. So what was it about Jesus that changed her? What was it? His eyes? His smile, his touch, his words, his truths, his authenticity broke through. What was it that healed her so that within a conversation, she gave her heart to Jesus and she felt whole? What broke through her walls? We're not really certain, but we do know this. She left the well, changed and healed, connected to God forgiven, and with a future. She left that place filled with hope and mentally stronger, so strong she went back to the city and told them, and then many of those people came out to the well and they believed Jesus on their own. Her life was changed and healed. Mental health healing. Some of us in this room need a dose of that today. Mental health healing, spiritual healing. Salvation itself means healed at many levels. Uh, let's take a closer look now at the second healing in the gospel of John chapter 4. So we've got this one on a slide here. Once more, Jesus visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him. Now, that's different than the woman. The woman was surprised at the well. Now, here's a dad who's begging Jesus to come to him and heal his son, who was close to death. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told them, you will never believe the royal official said, this is an important word, sir. This is a royal official. This is a high uppity up. And what does he say to Jesus? He says, sir, which is a way of saying you're more important than I am. But this royal official doesn't go around doing that all the time. So he says, sir, come down before my child dies. Go, Jesus replied. Your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news. 
that, th- that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and his whole family believed. There's one thing that the healings have in common. After Jesus did the healing, people recognized, the woman at the well recognized who Jesus was. This guy recognized that it was his words that healed his son, and they both believed. And others around them believed, this guy and his family, the woman and some others in the town. Now, it's interesting to me that when Jesus did healings, Sometimes he used means, physical means, that were props, and sometimes he didn't. In this, time, in this case, he did not even go and be present with the boy, the son. He did not. He just healed him from afar. And so uh, one of the, I, I have four things I want to say about healing today. And the first one is this, God heals through supernatural miracles. This is one example. God just chose to heal him. And he just healed him with his words. 42 specific examples are in the four Gospels of them naming specific healings Jesus was going to do. And then in the Gospel of Mark, three times it says, Jesus healed many who came. It doesn't list them. So 42 specific healings. And God, I think Jesus did that Really clearly, because God heals that way. God heals through supernatural miracles. And often, when he did it, they were surrounded by lots of questions. Like, how did he do it? Who did it? How did it happen? Why did Jesus choose to heal this son and not other sons? And I believe, we as a church totally believe, uh, that God still does supernatural healings today. A tumor is there, and the doctors say it's cancer, and then the second biopsy, they go, we don't, we don't know what happened. It's clean. Or a tumor is there, and then you go for a second opinion, and the scan says, it's gone. There is no tumor. Our own family, our son, oldest son had cancer, really quite significant cancer, and then he had another tumor. And the doctor said, there's a really, really strong chance that new tumor is cancer, but it wasn't. Some of you have had the situation where it's time and everybody says, come to the hospital, say goodbye to grandpa, and then a week later, Lo and behold, grandpa's going home. Some of you have had that. God still answers prayers for supernatural healing. He still does it. Many times God does it. So we should be praying for that. I pray for that. On our prayer line, when I see uh, people on our prayer line, I often ask God, supernaturally heal this person completely. Now, God does it sometimes. Many other times he doesn't. 
And I don't know why he does it and doesn't. He's God. I taught this last week in Grundy Center. And afterwards, two people came up and said, Dave, would you pray for supernatural healing for us right now? One was a guy with Parkinson's who just got diagnosed that week also with Alzheimer's. And so I just laid my hands on him, said, God, you're big enough, you're powerful enough, you can choose to, if it's your will, supernaturally heal this guy. Please. It's okay. God sometimes heals and sometimes, lots of times, doesn't. It's okay. God is God. But it shouldn't keep us from praying for supernatural healing. So number two, God often heals through medicines and doctors, physical means. He often does. Uh, here's the example from John chapter 9. I jumped ahead for this one. After saying this, Jesus spit on the ground, made some mud and saliva uh, with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. He's using means. And then he says, go, he told him, and wash in the pool of Siloam, another means, the means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. Jesus often healed through means of the day, mud pack, washing, often with lepers, touch. Jesus used means of the day. The reason the mud is to show that God usually uses means in doing his wonderful works in the world. He did it in the Old Testament. He does it in the New Testament. He works through the hands and feet of people, doctors who are trained, nurses who care and are trained. Jesus could have simply just spoken the man's eyes open, just like he did the son, but he didn't. For some reason, he chose to use means. God is decisive in victory, um, but he uses means often in both the Old and New Testament. It's no small thing to believe that God uses means to accomplish his purposes. And his purposes are that the glory of his work would be displayed, just like the leaves, just like healings. But the deal is, Jesus uses mud and we use medicine, or what we know about psychology, or therapy, or counseling, or exercise, or healthy living, we use means. The difference is how close to the surface the miracle is. Sometimes when it's a doctor, a heart surgeon, then we need to look be below the heart surgeon and the medicine and the hospital, because God is still doing the healing underneath all that. He's using those things. And sometimes we forget underneath. I hear so many people say, man, Iowa City is so great. Mayo is so strong. Our local hospitals and doctors care so deeply and they're talented and they do healing. But underneath all of that means is the power of God. The power of God. Number three. God heals through all things. Uh, God heals through um, grace sufficient strengthening. Now, we got this question about does God always heal when we pray for healing? No. 
And one of the prime New Testament examples is the Apostle Paul. He had what he called a thorn in the flesh. I think he did that so that we wouldn't know what ailment he was having. But he had an ailment. And it was a troubling ailment. And he said, I pray intensely several times that God would take this. And then, uh, I'm struggling because my notes are in the wrong order up here. Here's the verse that Paul says. But Jesus said to me, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Paul said, I prayed intensely for this to go away, for this to be solved, for God to heal this. And he chose not to. And instead, what he said is, I'm going to give you grace sufficient, the power to walk through this. I'm so glad that God didn't heal Paul for us. Because we have people walking in this room today with a walker, with oxygen, with uh, lots of struggles that have gone unhealed, except for God has promised the healing is going to come inside as I give you power to walk through this. Um, one of the old stories around Orchard um, Really, the first man in our church years ago that I ever walked through death with. His name was Roger. He was on our board for a long time. Uh, when we built the new sanctuary, and I think I can say this because Roger's been gone a long time now, he was one of the guys, really, I think maybe the only one, maybe one of two, who voted against building the sanctuary because we were in the farm crisis and there wasn't enough money and he was thoughtful and all that and he voted against it. And then the board did what the board does sometimes. Uh, they made him the chairman of the building fund <laughs> and the chairman of building the sanctuary. And he got on board, as board members do. He got on board and... He started, like, working on it and all that. I remember the day Roger's mother came to visit, and I watched him proudly take her around and show her the sanctuary, which was so cool. Roger got cancer, and he had to retire early, and he had a hospital bed in his living room. And I went to visit Roger maybe once a week for a while. And one day he said to me, He's dying. His family knows he's dying. He goes, Dave, God's going to heal me. I said, being filled with faith, he is. <laughs> and he said, yes, he's either going to heal me right here and now, or he's going to heal me in eternity. God's going to heal me. I learned something that day. Roger was talking to me more about how in some ways, the cancer had built up his faith. And he was almost glad for this tough time because his faith grew so much during those days. That's grace-sufficient strengthening. Grace-sufficient strengthening. 
Some of you have been through those hard times. And you say, whoa, this is something. This is hard. Uh, The last two weeks ago, I was at Waverly, and I taught this teaching. And afterwards, a young dad with a boot and crutches came up to me afterwards. And he goes, Dave, I got to talk to you. I really needed that grace-sufficient stuff. I go, you did? Why? What's with the foot? Well, he said, I was out with my kids uh, skateboarding. I broke five bones in my ankle. It's going to be a year before I'm back to normal. He said, I need grace sufficient, and my wife needs grace sufficient. (laughs) True? He goes, she has to carry so much more load now because I've got these crutches. So you don't have to be old and frail to need grace sufficient. You can be young on your skateboard. Um, The fourth thing I want to teach this morning. God heals one day through all things new. There's a day coming when he makes everybody healed, everybody right, when he writes all injustice. There's a day coming. And actually, well, here's the verse. Um, It's from Revelation 21. He who was seated on the throne said, this is Jesus on the throne, I am making everything new. And he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. There comes a day when every ailment is healed. Every memory is healed. Every wrong is made right. It's a day we look forward to. As I get older and have more loss in my life, it's, it's a day I more and more look forward to. When he makes Everything new. I, I was thinking about it this week. It's like, I would call it the great healing. It's like, he heals everything. He heals the broken nature. He heals people's souls. He heals people's bodies. He heals relationships. He heals stuff. So Jesus came. And he showed us the kind of healing God could do. Right? Right? 42 specific healings in the Gospels. Sometimes he used his hands. Sometimes he used a pool. Sometimes he used his touch. Sometimes he used mud. He came and showed us God's a healing God. And then there's all kinds of means through which God still does healing today. And we need to not get, not get enamored with the surface healing. We need to see what's underneath it. And then sometimes he doesn't heal our bodies, but he gives us strength. And then there's coming a day when he heals everything. So many ways we as a congregation and as a city, as a nation, so many ways we need healing. You can't turn on the TV without seeing, really, or even internet, without seeing kids being 
torn apart by war, families being captured by enemies, bombs coming down on cities. I'm really glad there's a great healing coming. God is big enough to do it. He's going to do it. And the scriptures talk about it. And John 4 is an example of it. I'll pray. Thanks. Father, thank you so much for, well, John chapter 4 and all four of the chapters. Thank you for the gospels that tell us the story of Jesus at work in the world. Thank you for being a God who is so big and so powerful and so beyond us that it's okay if we pray our desires and those are not your desires because you're wiser, smarter, better than us. Father, I do pray for supernatural healing of people in this room who need it. You could do it. You can do it. I pray for that. I pray for people in this room who, have, uh, who need healing this week because they're going to a surgery. They're going to visit a doctor. They're going to, uh, you know, you know and some who need mental health healing. Help with that. And as we turn to praise you, I think the song we're going to sing is a Waymaker. God, help us celebrate that you are, in fact, a Waymaker, a healer, a leader, a Savior. In the name of Jesus, amen.